thank you for asking me to preach again. I know it's been a while, and uh, I think I've told Pastor Ron, and some of y'all who might know me uh, might know this too, but I am deathly afraid of public speaking. Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me because I like, I like talking, first of all. If you know me, I like talking. I generally like people, and I like to share the Word of God, but there's just something about standing in front of people and presenting that's just scared. And apparently I'm not alone. I looked it up uh, earlier, and there was a a uh, survey research done and the number one phobia in America is public speaking over anything else. I mean, over all the horrible things that go along the world, people are more scared to talk in front of people. And I think I figured it out because it's not really necessarily the talking, it's the being understood. Because especially whenever you're delivering the word of God, you have to be uh, intelligible, it has to be coherent, uh, it has to be a little bit of attractive, like it has to appeal and it has to be digestible, and it, at some point it has to be shareable. So it's that thing of like, okay, am I doing this right? I think that's, what, that's what's messed it up. But um, hopefully we'll get that. And speaking of phobias, real quick little side note, uh, a while back I was listening to a psychologist, and he was talking about how he treated a patient who had a phobia, and her phobia, of all things, again, folks speaking, was elevators. <laughs> she was deathly afraid of an elevator. And so they talked about it. And one of the first things they did is they went into the hallway and they looked at the elevator. That's all they did. That was session number one. Let's just look at the elevator, okay? That's it, done, closed. Next one, let's take a step closer. We're still looking at the elevator. We're not getting in the elevator. We're, we're still looking at it, but let's get one step closer. And each session, each session be one step closer, one step closer, one step closer. And finally, one day they get in the hallway, they take all their steps, they're looking at the elevator, and she finally said, he goes, okay, reach out and touch it. And she finally pushes a button. Ding, the door's open, and they just look at the inside of the elevator. They don't get in it, they don't push any more buttons, they just look at the inside of the elevator. And they keep repeating this process until she gets more and more comfortable, and eventually, she got into the elevator. And she used it, and she's like, why in the world was I even scared of this in the first place? And so what they call this was, uh, uh, if I, if I, I don't remember the exact term, but it's something like ex- exposure therapy. So the idea is if you are exposed in doses, little itty bitty doses over time to something, eventually it'll become normal to you. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say in this is that uh, although I am very uncomfortable with them, I think I used the word hate one time. I, I didn't mean use the word hate. I, I should have I I used the word terrified because I'm scared of it, but you know, it's getting better. But what I think I'm, I'm trying to say is that if there is something that you need to do or if there's something that God has called you to do and you have some kind of fear or anxiety or some concern about it or some doubt, just look at it. Eventually get closer to it. Uh, you will then be able to touch it and then you'll be in the middle of it. So don't be scared. Just over time, work your way to it and it'll be all good. It's okay. Anyway, that was a freebie. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to actually talk about tonight, but that was in my head, and I guess maybe, just maybe, that was either for you or for me, because there was one time in the Bible that King David was in a lot of trouble, and he decided he was going to talk to himself and encourage himself in the Lord, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that was for me. Anyway, so uh, today what I'm going to talk about you know, I didn't have to think very long about what I was going to talk about. Uh, Tina sent me a text Sunday morning, about nine, something like that, and said, hey, can you speak uh, Wednesday? And I said, sure. 
And my first thought is like, what in the world am I going to talk about? My next thought is, oh, this is exactly what I'm going to talk about. And uh, I didn't know at the time, but I had been thinking about this off and on, maybe consciously, subconsciously for a while now. And, um, and then whenever Tina asked me to talk and I figured out what I was going to do, I was like, you know what? I think I figured it out. Not just what I was going to talk about, but I think I figured out exactly what is wrong with everything in the world. Everything. I figured it out. It's one thing. Y'all, are, y'all might be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, there's many things. No, no this, this, seriously, it's one thing. Are y'all ready for what I'm going to say? All right, here it is. And this is, I guess this is the title of my message too. It's called The Reality of Identity. If you want to write that down, The Reality of Identity. And you're like, what in the world is he talking about? Let's just start off this way. Um, if Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whoever you want to call him, if he would have simply accepted and embraced who he was, his true identity, we wouldn't be facing any of this. Uh, let's look at the book of Isaiah real quick. Uh, this is actually, he's to, uh, Isaiah is making a prophecy about the king of Babylon, but in chapter 14, in this prophecy, he alludes to the devil. And, and this is chapter 14. If y'all want to write this down for later, look it up. We'll start in verse 12. Uh, it says, Look how you have fallen from the sky, O shining one, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground, O conqueror of the nations. You said to yourself, I will climb up to the sky above the stars of El. I will set up my throne. I will rule on the mountain of assembly on the, temp- on the remote slopes of Zaphon. I will climb up to the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. Um, okay, first of all, let's look at who I think, what I understand about the devil. Look, he was the son of the dawn. He was an angel of light. Uh, he was a guardian cherub. And from what I think the theory is, I'm not sure if it's actually confirmed in Scripture, but there's some kind of musical worship element, I think, that he's involved in. So he was, he was all of these things. But for some reason, and I don't know what it is, something in himself and his pride uh, pricked his thought process, and he says, you know what? This isn't what I want to be. This isn't who I want to be, even though in reality, he had it good. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you'd be an angel of light, I mean, that's a pretty sweet gig, right? And because of this, because he decided that he was going to deny the reality of his identity, he did some stupid stuff. And no matter how hard he tried, no matter how hard his followers tried, he was not God. He is not God. He never was God, and he never will be God. Not, ha- not, not anytime soon or forever. And this drove him insane. But no matter what he did, he will always be who he is. He is not God. But, unfortunately, if you've, I don't know, stuck your head out of your house you kind of see that he has spread this denial to others. And it all started in the garden with Adam and Eve whenever he got Eve to question her identity. She was, as we assume, know that she was a perfect creation along with Adam, set in a perfect world. But the devil got her to question who she was. And in, in return, question who God was. So, like I said, if you have, I don't know, logged on to social media or watched the news or read a newspaper if they still have those things. Um, The world's kind of crazy, and it's all because of an identity crisis. There is denial of what's real and what's make-believe, 
and what, let's see if I'm word this right, what you really are. Um, I mean, there is a literal rage going on right now. There are people who are angry, they are confused, and they are violent, and none of this is from God. God is uh, not a part of this denial. If you look at it, honestly, I mean, even looking at uh, the way all things started off, God isn't, doesn't like this confusion. He is a God of order and of straight lines. Like I said, even if you look at the beginning, uh, you can read the creation account in uh, Genesis in chapters 1 and uh, chapter 2. And uh, you will see that, like I said earlier, he gets closer, probably Pastor Ron said many times, he gets closer to the problem. And the problem was chaos. He said that there was a, a void and everything was you know, going around and everything like that. And he put his hands on it. And he, he pulled out order out of chaos. And you'll see, though, when he does this, there is a pattern to what he does. Um, he makes clear distinctions and differences. You start off with day and night. There was darkness. He said, let there be light. There's light. So there's com complete opposites, right? But they're complementary. Uh, the sky and the water, or the water, the land, and on and on and on and on until he gets to man and woman. And these distinct opposites, like I said before, uh, are designed to serve a function and for a purpose that God has intended. And when we live in and fulfill God's design and serve his purposes, that's where we will find peace, prosperity, and contentment. However, the world wants to use these opposites to create opposition and division. Whether it's uh, man versus a woman, husband versus a wife, children versus the parents, young or old, rich, poor, black, white, Wherever there's a distinction, if there is division, it's not because of what God wanted. Um, and not only are there these plain distinctions that we can see, there, I don't know if you would pay attention, but again, the world seems to create new and new identities every day to battle the creation that God has made. And not only that, they set up these identities to attack the identities that they made the other day. So let's get to what we can do about it. I like that. I think I figured it out. Like I am whenever I, again, figuring stuff out, your identity. This is where you get the power and the, I don't know, confidence. But I figured out a while back that whenever I get to speak in front of people or I get to talk to people, I like to be a, here's what you need to do. Instruction. I do instruction. Well, I was at the, uh, the dentist the other day. And you can, here, here's, here's where uh, distinctions and differences come in. So I was at the dentist a while back, and he was busy, but he, he is, I think, I think it's his wife. His wife works there, too, as the dentist. And so I saw her, and she trying to give me a treatment plan, and she said, well, there's this, and well, there's that, and where, you know, she gave me good information, good, solid information. And uh, when I was walking out, I caught him at the desk, and I was like, look, she gave me good information, and I understand what she says, but I need you to tell me what to do. If you are in my shoes, tell me what you would do. I don't know. And I'll, I'm kind of like that. So hopefully, with a couple minutes we got left, hopefully I will be able to tell you what God has helped me to realize in all this and give you something to do. First of all, um, whatever identity you're in, this is the very first thing, whatever identity you're in, whether it's something that you didn't choose or something that you've chosen or it's something that just happened or whatever, 
make sure that what and who you say you are lines up with the Word of God. No matter what it is, make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Um, and to be more specific, these identities are natural, they're non-controversial, and they are in order with God's creation and design. Um, just as a side note, if Webster has to come up with a new definition for an identity, you probably shouldn't take that one on. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Secondly, so let's make, let's make a couple distinctions, though. Secondly, realize that some identities are permanent. Uh, in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is not going to change. So if you look further in the creation account, it goes on with these distinctions saying that God created uh, man and woman. He also created, uh, you know, all the animals and all the plants. But if you, if you pay attention, it goes on to say to each of their own kind and seeds of their own kind. So if it's fish, it's going to be a fish. If it's a bird, it's going to be a bird. If it's a tomato plant, you're going to get tomatoes. There you go. So, um, so there's that, and that these things are permanent. So uh, another side note, I don't have it on my notes, but I'm going to try to remember it. So if you ever figure it out or you ever wonder why, I think it's in Leviticus, why God says, uh, what do you say, don't mix two different kinds of fibers, don't do your field and two different kinds of plants, don't try to mix two different kinds of animals. You know why? So God likes distinctions and straight lines in order. All right? Uh, secondly, so let's see. I'm sorry. Yeah, secondly, so, so some of these distinctions are permanent. They're not going to change. Um, what we can do with that is accept it and embrace it. Uh, for 99.9999% of us, uh, this is a little sensitive subject, I guess, nowadays, but it's pretty easy to tell if you're a man or a woman by just looking in the mirror. Now, I want to address this. I want to be nice about it and be compassionate because even in all throughout the Bible, there are some exceptions to stuff like this. Now, I mean, it's addressed in the New Testament, and, um, but we don't make doctrine out of exceptions. We make rules out of rules. We acknowledge the exceptions with compassion, but we acknowledge it with truth. And also in these differences, like I said, with a man and a woman, the, not only are they different by looking, but you can tell that God has made us different mentally and emotionally as well. But these differences are meant to be complementary, not ad adversarial. You're not, God has made you the way you are as a man, as a woman, to complement each other. In Genesis, it calls them helpmates. God had made Adam a helpmate with Eve. Accept it and embrace it. And if you take another look in the mirror, you can tell some other differences or see who you are. I mean, by the color of your skin, your eyes, your hair, and all lots of other things. Just to accept that and embrace it. It's who you are. Be content with that and what God has made. And thirdly, I want you to realize that some of these identities are choices. Some of them uh, that we can change, but some of these choices we make should be permanent. Uh, Regardless of what the world tells you, you in some of these choices, I'll, I'll, I'll make it later, you are not stuck where you are, especially if you live here in America. Uh, you can change your point of view. You can change your social status. You can change your economic standing. But speaking of which, let me, go, let me go back to that one, that social status economic standing. You can see a lot of turmoil going on right now. And if you want to change that, you are not stuck. But I want you to, to, to see this. But going back to the creation of the garden, uh, sorry, it's a little side note. Um, one of the first 
commands that God gives to Adam and Eve is to produce. Okay, to produce, to make something, to tend, to cultivate. What, let me get this right, what Satan tempts Eve with is consumption. So if your appetite for consumption outweighs your willingness to produce, you might want to reevaluate your priorities on that one. So that would help a lot with the strife that we see these days. Um, okay, so back to this. Anyway, so you can change your politics, you can change your opinions, you can even change your personality. So these are part of identities that we can change or can change over time. But, so here are some identities that you can choose, but you, that, but you should be considered permanent. Uh, whenever you choose to be a husband and a wife, you are a husband and a wife. Okay? There are rules and responsibilities with that. When you make that choice, you are a husband and you're a wife. Uh, when you choose to have children, that is what it is. You're a daddy and a mommy. Congratulations. It's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be worth it. And um, accept it and embrace it. And I can tell you right now that uh, if we could work on those two, I mean, especially, I mean, especially if you look at the, uh, you can look it up, I guess, online. Uh, if you look up the number, the numbers for, for kids, especially boys, boys without daddies. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, embrace it. Learn who you are and embrace it. Line up with uh, uh, the word of the Lord. Uh, realize that some things are permanent, some things are choices, and they can change. But in all of this, whether you identify that something that you're, like I said, like if it's something that's permanent, something that you were born into, something that you can change, something that was a choice, um, just uh, don't listen to what the world <laughs> says about what you are or what you should do. I think Pastor Ron said this. I, I think I had this on my social media the other day. It was a memory Pastor Ron said a while back. Don't believe what the world says about you. Oh, my goodness. Don't believe what they say about you. Don't believe what they say about others. Don't believe what they say about the church. Don't believe what they say about God. Look, the world is wrong with lots of things, so don't, don't believe them. But instead, you know, turn to the water, Word of God and find out what it should be. So, I mean, it's literally all covered, especially in the, uh, in the epistles. So, I mean, no matter if you're a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, mother, father, a kid, you're young, you're old, you're rich, you're poor, you're an employer or your employee, whatever it is, there is a roadmap, especially in the epistles, there's a roadmap where the apostles address everything. So if you want to know, you know, like I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I'm a man and I'm a member of the church, there are exact scriptures. Okay, I don't have time to go through all of them, but there are exact scriptures that say, Hey, Matthew, in this situation, this is what you need to do. In this situation, you need to do. And I can't be, even though I am a husband, you know, I act differently towards my wife than I do towards my kids or to my friends or to my relatives or anything. Even though you take on one role, that role is specific to that. So, but anyway, it's all covered. So, and, in, and if you follow this roadmap, that you will, this is where you'll find contentment, joy, and fulfillment. And if you don't, this is where you'll wind up in a car wreck in a ditch. Um, look, so, and all that, you know, I've, I've been comfortable being me, you know. I'm not, there's a lot of things that I am not, there's a lot of things I am, and uh, I'm okay with that. I think that's a big problem that we have, just be okay with what God created you. You know, there's some things, some things you can change, you know, you know, sometimes you might need to work on your temper, or you might need to work on how you talk to people or, you know, stuff like that. But 
the core of your being, what God created. The Bible says that uh, God, he knit you in the womb, and he knew you before you were even born. So what he created you as, what created you as, be, embrace that, accept it, and um, learn what God wants you to do with it. Um, but under all this, you know, it doesn't matter, like all the categories I've listed, don't, I don't want to list them again, but um, kind of like our, 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 the motto of our nation, e pluribus unum, we are one out of many, especially if you're a believer. Um, no matter what your identity is, or what you choose it to be, know this. Uh, let's read in Galatians 3. If you want to write this down, look it up later. Uh, start in verse 26. Uh, it says, verse 26, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And a couple more scriptures. Ephesians 4.24, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you today, you know, learn who you are, line it up with the Word of God, live in peace with that, what is permanent, and prove what is not. But in the end, I want to, I want to leave you with this concerning identity. In uh, Exodus, in chapter 3, with the burning bush, Moses asked God to identify himself, and God simply says, I am who I am. And with that surety and with that... Uh, Confidence, I think that's where we should place all of our hope and that we should ultimately surrender all of our identities. 